In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. <laughs> Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy on us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles.
mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Let not my enemies exult over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The second lesson for the second Sunday in Lent is written in the first book of Moses, known as Genesis, chapter 32. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the form of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified 
that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord, or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Last Sunday we sang during communion, I walk with Jesus all the way. That sounds nice, doesn't it? And that sounds particularly important and a good thing for us to do during this season of Lent. We want to, to walk with Jesus, that is, journey with Jesus. But you know where Jesus is walking, don't you? It is heavenward, all right. But it's a walk that even for Jesus required the assistance of angels along the way. It is a walk that is in danger a walk through trials, a walk with grim death in hot pursuit, all the way it is a walk to the cross and under the cross. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so it is that there is no such thing as a crossless Christian. Those crosses may come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and weights. But there is no Christian without one. You want to walk with Jesus through Lent? You want to walk with him all the way to heaven? The Apostle, says, the Apostle Paul says it. We must go through many afflictions to enter the kingdom of God. But how are we to understand that? How are we to, to walk with Jesus when God sends us afflictions and when he seems slow to help and when we deserve no help at all? The woman in our gospel for today was not walking with Jesus. Jesus was trying to get away from people for a while, especially the Pharisees and the scribes. But she came and she walked up to him. The woman had been afflicted with a heavy burden which was not just your run-of-the-mill, ordinary afflictions of life. This was an extraordinary affliction. Actually, it was her daughter who was afflicted, severely oppressed by a demon, it says. And maybe that's worse. If you have children, you know what that means. It's one thing for you to bear up under the pain or, or under oppression, but if, but if something happens to your child, that hurts you, maybe more. Because you're supposed to take care of them and, and you find out that you can't, not that you wouldn't try, you would do anything, anything that was within your power, anything that could possibly be done if you only knew. And then if you can't do anything more, then, then maybe you figure it's time, time to worry or it's time to complain or find someone to blame. Canaanite women were not particularly known for their piety, but this, what does this dear woman do? She goes to find Jesus. She goes and finds him and then cries out to him. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She doesn't complain to him about everything that she's tried but didn't work. She doesn't blame him for letting it happen to her in the first place. She doesn't just stay home and worry about it. This affliction drives her 
to Jesus, likely she never would have come to him had she not suffered so. She never would have had to trust him quite so much, need him so much than she did right now. The afflictions that God sends us as we walk with Jesus are intended that we might walk closer to him. They are given to us that we might not put our trust in our own health and our wealth, in our success or in our hard work, but in our Jesus. To trust in him, the help of the helpless when other helpers flee, that we might turn to him in our hour of utmost need. In prayer, Imagine that if we just spent half as much time praying about our problems as we do complaining or worrying about them. But still, what if we did? And what if it didn't work? What if we pray and we pray and we pray and everything just stays the same? What if it actually gets worse? This woman cries out to Jesus She trusts in him, but he doesn't say a word. He ignores her. His disciples, they try to ignore her, but they're less successful. They're annoyed. They're irritated. And and so they say, send her away. Give her what what she wants if you have to, but just get get rid of her. And even the disciples' plea doesn't faze him. He tells the disciples that he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and she wasn't one of them. I suppose she could have just taken the hint. She could have just understood from Jesus' silence that his answer was no and that her misery was to continue. So now what? Give up? Go home? Walk away from Christ? Conclude that he is of no use to you because your your sorrows persist, because he hasn't taken away your pain? Because no matter how much you pray, especially for that that one thing for which you pray most often over and over again, nothing happens, nothing changes. And it seems as if he is completely ignoring you. We would completely understand, I think, if the woman went home. If instead of, but instead of leaving Jesus, she draws closer to him. She falls right down at his feet and she begs him, Lord, help me. She ignores all the hints. She looks past the disciples' dismissive comments. She stays and she asks him again in spite of everything that she sees and hears. It may be true that sometimes it seems that God isn't listening or that Jesus doesn't care. But that simply cannot be true because we know this Jesus. Because we've heard his word. Because we've heard that he who gave himself, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And so we're just going to have to ignore the way things seem and believe what he says. We can't leave him now. And so, not content to cry out to him from a distance, we come closer. But what if, in doing so, we find out the reason for his inactivity? What if Jesus himself were to tell us, this Jesus says to this woman, he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Turns out the problem was her. She was a Canaanite. And Jesus had been sent to the Jews. The gospel was to go first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. So socially, culturally, even religiously, there was no reason that Jesus should help her. She had no reason to expect anything from Jesus, no right. She did not deserve anything from Jesus. Do you ever wonder about that? Perhaps afraid of that? That your problem is your own fault and that you brought it on yourself and he doesn't feel sorry for you, therefore. What right do you have to expect anything? Well, look at the woman. Does she defend herself? She can't help being a Canaanite. And doesn't the fact that she's just trying to help her daughter count for something? She's trying to do what is right. No. Does it the fact that she's persistent? No. Does she argue with Jesus about what she's entitled to? No. She agrees with Jesus. He's right. He's, it's not right to give her anything. She deserves nothing. But if she were to receive anything, that would be received not because she deserves it, but as a gift. Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then, Jesus doesn't just give her crumbs. He pulls her up to the table and he feeds her richly. He says, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And in truth, Jesus tells us the same thing. When we draw closer to him, when we listen to him, we also hear and know that we deserve nothing from him. And we know and hear that it wouldn't be right to give what belongs to the righteous children to us doggish sinners. And having spent time with him, having heard him, we agree. That's what it means to confess. We say the same. We say we deserve nothing, nothing that is except God's eternal punishment now and forever. That we deserve to be cast out from his presence forever. We deserve far worse. 
Now, granted, we say that. We say that all the time. We say we deserve the worst possible punishment God could give. And yet, all too often, when affliction does come upon us, then we change our tune. I know, you got an argumentative spouse? Well, I don't deserve that. You have harsh parents who just don't understand? We say, that's not fair. You have a hostile work environment. You have unsolved medical problems or incompetent professionals that you have to deal with. We deserve better than that. But do we? Really? It is good and right for us to plead with God for help in all of our troubles. But we dare not think that God must come to our aid because we deserve a place at the table, because we deserve better than we're being treated. Faith understands that we deserve nothing. That we receive anything at all, even a few crumbs of his mercy, is entirely by his grace. And if all I do receive is crumbs, that will be enough. This is repentance. That's what makes this faith, this woman's faith worth mentioning by Jesus. She doesn't believe in Jesus merely as a, a miracle dispenser, but as one who cares for her beyond, far beyond what she deserves. When our Lord comes to us and confronts us with our sin and our unworthiness, he gives us what we truly need. What do you need from Jesus? You, you need help for what ails you? No. You need everything from Jesus. You need Jesus for everything. You, you think that you can just take from Jesus a little bit of good advice or a little bit of help now and then? No. But unless you come to Jesus with nothing, you will leave with him, from him with nothing. But when you fall down at his feet, knowing full well that you deserve less than nothing, faith says that it is willing to receive from the master's table, trusting that whatever he gives, whatever falls, will be enough. Even if it looks like almost nothing. Even if what he gives you from his table is just a crumb, it's just a wafer, it's just a, a sip of wine. Even if it's just a few drops of water sprinkled on the forehead, even if it's just sounds and syllables coming from his mouth, what is it really? It is, in fact, a whole meal. And it's a bath as deep as a flood. It's the voice of your Savior saying to you, be it done for you as you desire. That is, he takes care of your greatest need by the forgiveness of your sins, by the life and salvation that he pours out upon you again and again. 
And if he has done that for you, what else could he possibly withhold? If he wishes to give you everything, all of himself, how could he not give you what you need? No one ever said that walking with Jesus was easy. No one ever said that Lent was easy. Because see, we know where Jesus is walking. He's walking to the cross. And he's walking there so that he can be the one to whom you turn in time of affliction. So that you can believe his word when he seems silent. And so that you can trust him for grace even when you deserve nothing. It's not easy. But we walk with him under the cross so that we might walk closer to him and long for him all the more until we reach the end of our journey, our home in heaven. Amen. <coughs> The peace of God surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. <coughs> we believe in one God, the Father, the
Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and all people according to their needs. Remember, Lord, your mercy and steadfast love toward us. Be gracious to us, creating us humble and contrite hearts, that we might always cry out to you for mercy. Consider our afflictions and troubles, and forgive all our sins. Lord, in your mercy. Remember, Lord, our synod president, our district president, all pastors in Christ. Forgive their sins, strengthen their faith, and empower them to always and steadfastly proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Christ's name. Lord, in your mercy. Remember, Lord, our nation and its leaders. Guide them in the direction you would have them go, that peace and prosperity, truth and justice, religion and piety may dwell in our land. Remember also those who serve in our armed forces, that they would serve with integrity and honor. Lord, in your mercy. Remember, Lord, all those experiencing harmful addictions. Be merciful to them and graciously provide them with the help they need to break free of the chains that hem them in. Strengthen all those whose vocations put them in a position to assist them. Lord, in your mercy. Remember, Lord, those who are sick, hospitalized, in treatment, undergoing surgery or recovering, and all who are in need. Comfort them with your presence and sustain their faith through their, your gracious promises and bring healing to them as you will and know to be best. <clears throat> Lord, in your mercy. Remember, Lord, that even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. We are unworthy to partake of the divine food offered to us here in the very body and blood of Christ. And yet you have prepared a place for us all the same. In this Holy Eucharist, fill us with Christ's life and love that we might depart in his peace, which surpasses all understanding. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we may be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Jesus Christ, through you all things were created, and through you all things have their purpose. You judged the world through water, but saved believing Noah and the church with the same righteous flood. With water you rescued Israel from slavery, destroying her enemy in the Red Sea, and led her through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You spoke through the prophets, ruled through the kings, and mediated through the priests on behalf of your people, until it was time for your blessed passion, the, the sacrifice of the true Lamb of God. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament, in my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, you did not turn away from the stroke of justice we deserved, but absorbed its blow only to rise three days later. As you promised your apostles, so comfort us with the knowledge that you have ascended into heaven to prepare eternal bliss for us, and to rule all things in our favor, that we may carry out your Pentecost command to preach the gospel to all nations. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.